0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God created everything. And God created people And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And he made promises to those generations, and they were passed one to the next, over and over. And God saw those people through storms and destruction. He saw them through life, and he saw them through death. Because God was with them, always. Genesis, it's all about doing things God's way. Beginning and ending and everything in between. Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We started this journey through Genesis last summer in 2019 with those words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you want, at at any point, uh, we've got all of this material from Genesis 1 here until Genesis fifty all archived in one spot at copperluth.org Genesis. And there you can, uh, you can watch sermons, you can listen uh, to them as a, as a podcast. You can even read the vast majority of them if you ever want to go back and see uh, how we applied God's word throughout the book of Genesis. But here we are at the end of Genesis. And we've covered a lot of ground And I want to ask you a question. If you knew that your death was imminent and you had the opportunity to speak to your loved ones your final words, have you ever thought about what you would say? Have you prepared yourself to speak and to demonstrate what kind of legacy you want to leave? What sort of character you want to be remembered as? And we don't really know how our lives will end and if we will actually get that chance to speak those final words. So here's an idea. Have you ever thought about maybe writing down some words for your spouse, for your children? to to tell them how you feel about them and what final words you would want to leave them with. Well, here at the end of Genesis, in chapters 49 and chapter 50, we have final words. First in Genesis chapter 49, which we didn't read today, and we're not really going to cover in great detail, but it's final words from Jacob. Jacob, the one called Israel, the one with the 12 sons, Jacob, in chapter 49, speaks final words of blessing to his children. And if you read these words, (laughs) Jacob is honest with his children. He comes across as a father who knows his kids well. He knows their strengths, he knows their faults, he knows their frailties, and he speaks to them about what their future will be like, what their inheritance should be. And then as we turn into the final chapter of the book of Genesis, chapter fifty. We have Joseph speaking, and Joseph in chapter 5D gets the chance one more time again to forgive his brothers. Now, if you've been with us or paying attention or read the book of Genesis, you may be thinking, didn't Joseph already forgive his brothers? Just a couple weeks ago, I preached on the whole importance of reconciliation and and how Joseph did forgive his brothers, and Pastor Kevin preached about how he provided for his brothers, and so what's the deal here at the end? Well, you heard it that Jacob, the father, has now died, and the brothers are concerned that Joseph maybe has been only dealing with them fairly on behalf of their father, Jacob. (laughs) So with Jacob out of the picture, the brothers are thinking, oh man, what if Joseph goes back 20-some years and, and brings our, our charges in front of us and penalizes us and deals with us harshly? So the brothers contrive this plan. They, they fabricate a story. They send a message to Joseph uh, pretending that Jacob had told them that, they, that Jacob wanted him to forgive them here's how it goes i'll I'll put it up on the screen for you They, they did this they sent a message and they sent a message to joseph saying your father gave this command before he died say to joseph please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sins because they did evil to you and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the god your father well joseph hears these words And even though it's a contrived story, the brothers beg and plead for mercy and Joseph, what happens? He weeps. He's wept on behalf of these brothers before and here he weeps again. They come before him. They fall on their knees, begging and pleading for mercy, saying, we will be servants forever. And Joseph speaks to them and he says this, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and for your little ones. And then it goes on to say in the book of Genesis that from here on out, Joseph dealt kindly with his brothers and he comforted them. But I love these words that Joseph proclaims. He says, what, what you intended for evil against me, I forgive it because I know that God intended it for good. These weren't the final words of Joseph. He lived a long time after this. It says that he saw uh, the grand, his, his like, great, great, great grandchildren after this. They're not his dying words, he's not on his deathbed here but they're some of the very last words that are recorded that Joseph spoke. (laughs) If I were to have any of my last words recorded or any of my character recorded for people to remember me by, man, I pray it was something like this. Words of forgiveness, words of kindness, words of comfort. I sure hope that that's how I am remembered. Maybe I should take myself up at my own encouragement to you and write them down so that I get some say in how I will be remembered. But Joseph speaks forgiveness. Again, right? After being sold, after being left for dead, after being lied about and forgotten, Joseph forgives one more time. Because Joseph believed that God was with him in it all. Do you remember In this story of Joseph, so many times, Joseph gave credit to God for being present with him. And here, finally, at the end, when when his brothers are begging and pleading, Joseph's saying, hey, guys, I'm not God. I'm not God. But I know who God is. I know who God is because I know who he is for me and I know who he is for you. Joseph doesn't use these words, but I believe he would say something to the fact that God is a merciful God, a gracious God a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that God, that same one that gave Joseph the desire to forgive his brothers is the same God who is present with us today, whose word has already been spoken into your ears and into your heart and into your life that you are forgiven children of God because Jesus died for you and rose for you. Your sins and debts are paid. You are forgiven and set free today. You have new life. And that same God, who is in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, speaks words, telling us, commanding us, demonstrating to us that we are also to forgive in the same way. In Matthew chapter 18, That is our gospel lesson for today. In Matthew chapter 18, uh, before the section that we read, there's this, there's this example in verses 15 through 20 where Jesus is almost as practical as Jesus ever gets. Sometimes when you're reading Jesus' words, you're like, Jesus, can you just explain to us what you mean by that? Here, he's, he can't be more clear. He can't be more clear. Jesus explains in verses 15 through 20 of Matthew 18 how to go about being reconciled with somebody else. He says, if you've got an issue with somebody, don't post about them on social media. Don't talk about them around the water cooler. Go and talk to the person. Do you hear that? Do you hear this? Go and talk to the person. Seek reconciliation. And if for some reason their heart is hard, then bring somebody else in. And if that still doesn't work, bring the whole congregation in. Jesus gives this practical demonstration of how find reconciliation and forgiveness and after he finishes that up uh peter piper pipes up you know peter piper peter the apostle peter he's kind of like peter the piper who pipes up and says things (laughs) steps out boldly after jesus gave that practical explanation of how to be uh reconciled and to forgive peter pipes up and he says all right jesus I, i let me let me just see if i got this If my brother sins against me, I'll forgive him. You know what, Jesus? Actually, if my brother sins against me six times, I'll forgive him six times. Actually, you know what, Jesus? If my brother sins against me seven times, I'll forgive him seven times. But Jesus, I don't know. Is this what you're saying? Because I I think seven is my limit. (laughs) If If my brother sins against me eight times, I mean, do I, do I need to forgive him again, or can that one, like, just stay? <laughs> and Jesus, instead of just giving a definite yes or no, Jesus tells a story to make a point. We call it a parable, and this one often is called the parable of the unmerciful servant. So Jesus tells this story. He says, there's a master who has servants. One servant owes him a bunch of money. The, the master is going to uh, put the, the, the servant in prison, and that servant falls down, begs, pleads for mercy on his knees. And the master has mercy on him. He cancels all of his debts and he sends him on his way. That servant, however, leaves, and immediately there's another servant who owes that first servant money. And that, first, or that, that, that servant comes to the first servant begging and pleading for mercy. He can't pay his debts. And that first servant who has just had his debts canceled grabs the other servant by the neck and starts choking him and throws him in prison until his debts can be paid. And all these other servants are watching. And they say, ooh, this isn't right. So they go to the master. And they say, master, you should hear what happened. And the master comes to that first servant and he says to him, you wicked servant. I had mercy on you and you can't have mercy on someone else? And then he looks Peter in the eye and everybody else and he says this, your heavenly father will do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, Jesus. (laughs) I get it. I I get it, Jesus. You can't be more clear. I get it. Just as Joseph was wronged and he forgave his brothers who were begging and pleading for mercy, I am called, commanded, to forgive my brothers who sinned against me. Just as Jesus has forgiven me and you all of our sins through his innocent death on the cross, you and I are commanded to forgive as we've been forgiven. I get it. I get it. I started working on a revision of my will in the last couple of weeks. My wife and I scraped together a couple of wills a few years back before uh, the two of us left on a trip on our own and left our kids behind. If you don't have a will, you should have a will, by the way. Um, but I started working on a revision because I, uh, I was given access uh, through our benefits package to an online template where you can uh, make your own online will. So I was just doing this the other night, just checking it out, seeing if I wanted to use this uh, service and there's all these cues and it just, you just answer the questions and it populates the will for you. It's pretty handy. And there was this one question that I almost laughed at when I saw it. And that was before I was even working on this sermon. But after I was working on this, it all makes sense. There was this question that popped up and it, it said this, we'll put it up. It says, when you die, do you want to forgive any personal debts owed to you? <laughs> And my initial reaction in this drop-down menu was, yes, cancel all of the debts. The other options are uh, only cancel specific debts, or no, don't cancel any debts at all. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, one, I don't really have all that much money to lend out to anybody anyway, so it doesn't really make all that much difference. It's not going to affect anything. But then, I mean, you get thinking, man, what a gift. What a gift. If I were to die and somebody owed me money, I don't need the money. My family will be taken care of. We don't don't need it. You're forgiven. I love it. Even in the online will thing, it says, do you want to do what with the debts? Forgive them. Cancel them. No more. I pray that none of us die with any debts owed to us. Not, Not monetarily, not relationally. The final words of Joseph recorded in the Bible are words of forgiveness. Words of promise. He forgives his brothers and he says, guys, let me remind you of the promise. Spoken to our Father, you're going to go to the promised land. It's yours. The promise is yours. The promise is yours, my friends. For Jesus, in his dying breaths, spoke from the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the dramatic lighting decrease was all God's doing by our media booth guy who just leaned against the wall. That was really cool. (laughs) Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus speaks this. He speaks it to you. He speaks it to everybody. Now we're going to press number three on the lights. There we go. All right. Look at this. Hey. And there was light. (laughs) And God saw the light and he said it was good you are forgiven, you are loved, you are set free. What more do you want? Would you please consider what sort of character you want to leave, what sort of legacy you want to last? I pray it's a legacy of forgiveness. That's how I want to be remembered, as somebody who loved and forgave as I've been loved and forgiven by Jesus Christ. I pray you desire the same. And I pray you've enjoyed our time in the book of Genesis over the last two years. Over the last two years, we've worked through all of this book. And and if you've been enjoying reading the narrative in the Bible, go ahead and do this. Go home, turn the page, you'll be in the next book. It's the book of Exodus. And the story continues. It's just that it's 400 years later. So go ahead and do that on your own. And finally, let me give you a little bit of word about where we're going from here. Next week, we are going to be kicking off our fall ministry series with a study called Spiritually Vibrant Homes. If you're involved in a small group that Pastor Kevin was telling you about, those small groups will be doing a book study on this book that was a collaboration between Lutheran Our Ministries, which is a ministry of our church body, and the Barna Research Group that researched what spiritually vibrant homes look like. So over the next four weeks, next week at Rally Day, we'll be talking about what it means to be, in general, a spiritually vibrant household. And then from there, each week we're going to be talking about the power of messy prayers, loud tables, and open doors. Now, we know that your homes and households look different. Some of you live alone. Some of you live with roommates. Some of you live with your spouse and with your kids. But you live life with somebody, and God has desired it, and he's made it possible for your household, the people you live life with, to be a spiritually vibrant place. That's our prayer, and that's where we're going over the next four weeks. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.